this is olive tree again tonight is john again with me john you said at your last part that you played in russia and yeah. what is the um the theater called so it's called the kremlin i think it's called kremlin. the kremlin palace theater wow mm -hmm. so it's um obviously as the name suggests it's in the kremlin so it's in the grounds like red square and we yeah that was a that was quite a special gig and uh, uh, were there many people there? How? Yeah, I can't remember what the capacity was of the theatre. It was uh, yeah, quite a few thousand. Mm. I have to look it up, actually. Do you have still stage fever when you stage, go? Yeah, so it's known as stage fright. Stage fright, yeah. yeah. We and call it fever in Germany. Yeah, so so Germany. And it's, um, yeah, sometimes there's been many gigs where, yeah, I've, I've, been, I've really got worked up and been stressed. And after that, I don't think, um, I mean, there's famous people I know who who are in, you know, they're in their late 70s, well, sort of mid 70s, who still get nervous. I don't think it ever, ever, ever leaves any performer. What did you do? Uh, do, do you relax? Do you say something to yourself? Oh, Johnny, just focus on your music? Or how do you feel? What is going on inside in you when you go on stage? And normally, if I was getting nervous, it would generally be dependent on the gig, i.e. sometimes you would run things using a, a laptop. So you're kind of at the, the, you're at the mercy of a, of a computer sometimes, which computers, as anyone knows, can go wrong. So that can be a nerve-wracking thing, because you're about to go on stage and you're kind of thinking, is the computer going to crash, which it has done on big gigs for me before. Mm -hmm. And other things is just if it's a big audience, you can be get quite nervous. The other one is if you've overdone it the night before on the, on the drink and you've woken up with a horrendous <laughs> hangover and you've spent the day kind of thinking, oh no, how am I going to get through this? And then uh, you usually have to have a couple of pints to kind of settle you back in and uh, hence why I don't drink anymore. But uh, yeah, I don't think whatever you do, there's, there's only so many coping mechanisms. You just kind of have to grin and bear it and... Just once, once you walk out on stage, usually it kind of all goes away. So mm. you start playing, it's all fine. And how is it after the concert? What's how do you feel? How do you how does your body feel? How does your mind feel? Can you tell me more about this? Yeah, again, dependent on the gig. Usually, if it's quite a high pressure gig where I would be nervous and all the built up nervous energy you get before, usually there's a massive sense of relief. Especially when you hit that last note, sometimes you get this rage of excitement that, not that it's over, but it's kind of like, oh, thank God for that. It's like, it's, uh, you got through it sometimes because it can be a bit now back in. But yeah, it's just excitement and a bit of relief. And yeah, just, just sort of pleased that it went really well. And you usually get out in front of the stage and everyone does a bow and whatnot. And so yeah, it's pretty, it, it takes me back to that part of being a kid again. It's, I guess, that. When you've got a big audience kind of cheering and you're bowing with the band in front of the crowd, I guess it does tap into that old memory of being in the pub because we as I explained in part one. Okay. It kind of taps into that, which is a very addictive and nice kind of feeling, I guess. Yeah. And uh, do you make also after party after that? You yeah, as I said, I don't drink. I don't drink drink anymore these days. But yeah, there was a big part of it that yeah, after the gig, often there'd be. Yeah, quite a lot of celebration. So happy celebrations. Yeah, yeah happy people, celebrations. And, and people are all relieved. And people, people are having a good time and usually a lot of drink. I think I bet these parties must be amazing after yeah, the was, big gig. 
There was so one of my favourite tours, um, two of my favourite tours actually, the same band, band called Gang of Four, which I toured an album that was released in 2015, mm-hmm. and that was all across the US. We was in a tour bus, and that was like a childhood dream as a kid. Being in America on a tour bus is kind of wow. like watching MTV as a kid, VH1. That's the kind of dream as any like musician, I think. And as a kid, it was kind of the ultimate dream. Um, and so actually getting to live that dream and being on a tour bus in America was was really cool. And after a gig, yeah, so often you'd finish a gig and you'd, you'd, you'd get back on the bus, start drinking on the bus and partying and having a good time. And that would often last for the entirety of the tour, which one of them was five weeks. So it's five weeks of quite heavy drinking and a lot of high pressure gigs. So it's intense, but great time. And how was, uh, you met a lot of people, I guess, from different cultures and different countries. How did you feel to adapt all of this? What did you learn about the culture in, in, in the world? And what do you think about that traveling in general? It was a massive thing for me. The actual first band I joined after saying about that Colonel Happy band in the 90s and local bands in when I was in my 20s, my kind of bigger break was this band called Ujami and the main guy, uh, Nejmi, who was from Bodrum in Turkey. And he, mm-hmm. he was the, the leader of this band. And it was very multicultural. There was, there was like nine people in the band. So it's a big band and completely different walks of life. So the percussionist was from Spain. Um, Nejmi was from Turkey. Akhtar had Bang- Bangladeshi parents. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew up in Hackney, but his parents were from Bangladesh. Um, the Sufi dancer, so you'd be familiar with Sufi dancers mm-hmm. um, in Turkey. It's the Sufi dancer we had on stage. It's quite funny. Anyone that knows about Sufi dancer, we used to always try and get him really drunk before the show because obviously he's never, turning and turning never, around, he, around, he, he around. Could, he drink, he could drink copious <laughs> amount and would be fine. So he's obviously well versed in what he did as his art. So he um, he was from Egypt, and there were different people. There was a uh, the guy from I can't remember where he was from, but the, yeah. Anyway, the band was very multicultural, and wow. suddenly, and mm-hmm. we were touring in like Turkey, around Europe, in London. And for me, that was the biggest kind of learning point for me because suddenly I was in this band um, making music and playing live gigs with so many different people in this little mm-hmm. group. And it's quite unusual to have nine people in the band. So I was very it's lucky. Big, yeah? yeah, it's a big, big amount of people. As I said, there's a couple of dancers, so belly dancers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and it was uh, me and Akhtar. So Akhtar um, was of Muslim faith. Uh, Bangladeshi parents. Most of his friends were Bangladesh, um, you know, Bangladeshi descent. Although they lived in London, so for, and we used to share a hotel room, so it's quite weird. And his kind of view of the kind of typical white English guy, um, he grew up with a lot of racism mm-hmm. um, in London, and we were kind of thrown together in this band because we were similar age and we got on straight away, even though we were completely from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, we were suddenly sharing a hotel room, drinking together, talking a lot about life, about God sometimes, you know, about different things. That's and it really opened my mind up to what, for me, what I learned from that, looking back, is the drumming became something else on a spiritual level. Uh, that The drumming became a vehicle for me to actually experience lots of different cultures. So mm-hmm. out of that band, especially, it opened my eyes that you can, f- through being a drummer and being a touring professional musician, 
you actually, the life experiences was something that I hadn't actually envisioned happening because you're so focused on mm. just being a drummer. Mm. It, actually, when I was in it and doing it, I realised, wow, this is so much more and I ended mm. up becoming quite open to different cultures, different people. So, yeah, very lucky that I had that experience. Would you say that music connects from different culture? Oh, totally. It doesn't matter where you come from, music Yeah, I think, I, mean, I, think, I think anyone would agree that it's universal. So music is universal, that anyone anyone that listens to anything anywhere, it's, it, it can open up people to certain emotions, but, you know, whatever they may be. And it gives us a unified feeling of, feeling that same emotion obviously all music is different but yeah totally I think that music will always bring people together mm -hmm. and Johnny how was this uh, being a star uh, there were many girls a bet around did they want your phone numbers how how no. was it can and you tell me more about that yeah please? I mean the cliche is like the, the like the idea I mean I wasn't I mean I was often just the drummer at the back so but to be yeah. honest when I was little the Drummer, everybody was. I'm in. I'm in love with the drummer. I don't know why the girls love the drama. I know there is there is a little bit of a fascination, I guess, and people are intrigued. Mm -hmm. I guess um, it's yeah. There's I mean, there's this idea that groupies and bands, big rock stars, have groupies. I think the reality of it all is quite different. I've seen a few different things with other people. For me, um, I've I've always been in relationships when I've been on tour. So I kind of missed a lot of the fun, to be honest. So um, the the kind of thing that I always found as well, like before, that I was often drinking a lot. As I said, I don't drink anymore. I think I become you become so much more engrossed in the party and the drinking. Actually, trying to chat up someone after a gig when you've had seven pints and half a bottle of vodka, you're not going to do very well. I bet. So uh, so often. Yeah, the, the party would always kind of take precedent over trying to chat with girls. Often, though, they, there'd still be chats with people. I, I was never really, um, I was never really kind of one to, like, after a gig, try and, you know, get anyone back on the bus or anything like that. It wasn't really what I was about in that, in doing that. It was great meeting people, though, chatting to girls and stuff. Was, and blokes, you know, not, my, not a sexual thing. But My last question, what you would give an advice for uh, youth to learn an instrument or do it, would you say to them, learn an instrument or do another job? What do you would in advise? In terms of, that's a good question, in terms of advice about learning an instrument or, you know, do another job, I think anyone that, that, that decides to take the road of becoming a professional musician, be whatever instrument it might be, drums, guitar, being a singer, um, it's it's not the easiest of roads. It comes with a lot of commitment. It comes with a lot of disappointment. It also comes with a lot of admiration, a lot of you know, re reward. But they all come, in my experience, in equal measure. So you have to be prepared that the, the kind of re rewards and the, the sort of glamour that you're seeking out is there, but it does come with a lot of sacrifice and sometimes a lot of pain and a lot of disappointment. And it can be tough. It's not the easiest of careers. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so my advice would be know what you're getting yourself into and expect expect a bumpy ride, but not necessarily. Some people might go into it and just have a, 
all the luck straight mm. away and it'd just be quite an easy road. But mm. for me, it was a very up and down. And I'm thankful for that as well because, you know, life isn't about everything going well. You know, we learn from our experience. And yeah, true. So my advice would be, know what you're getting yourself in for if you're committing mm. you know doing that solely as your job mm. and anyone that's learning to play an instrument that doesn't play an instrument are just seeking out the first steps of playing i think going back to that first point the key point is not just the instrument the key point is the root of why you want to play an instrument i.e because you love music and you love listening to music mm. what is your favorite song my last question to you favorite song um <laughs> Do you know what? One of my favourite songs, if I could have a, like, three. Okay, tell me three then. Um, for some, one of my first favourite song would probably be, uh, would probably be a George Harrison, My Sweet Lord, believe it or not. Oh, nice. So, obviously, George Harrison being Harry Krishna, his expression of his love for, you know, for his God and, and love for Krishna and... I'm not Harry Krishna, by the way, but, you know, it's very intriguing kind of... Well, to believe in to believe, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that was always... The, the, the thing, the reason why I like that song is it's complete honesty, mm -hmm. which I think is massively important in any art. Like, I think people, even if they don't understand the, the, the medium, right, be it film, art or music, I think if something doesn't ring true or have honesty, uh, it's rude. I think people see through it. I'm now going off the point... But yeah, so that song, for that reason, because I like the song, I love yeah. its message and it's complete integrity and honesty. Because when I hear George singing that, I believe that he's feeling everything he's singing about. But yeah, and another one, again, mm -hmm. on the same kind of vein, I guess, is Peace Train by Cat Stevens. Again, a very spiritually motivated song. And one I've been listening to recently... Um, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Oh, this um, is also for Eric Clapton. Again, yeah, and again, I think what I said about the honesty, because of anyone that knows the song, it was about his son, Connor, that died. He he went away, because so his son died um, after falling from a I was reading a about it, very, very yeah, sad, so, because so, somebody came to clean the windows. Someone open, left the windows open, Yeah, apparently. exactly. And, but the, again, the point of, um, I'm good at going off the point, as you're probably aware, in the interview, but the, the song... That song, at its root, it's oh, about sick. it's about his son Connor. He apparently went away for a year. He got sober, and spent a year by himself in this little cabin somewhere. And he took a little guitar. Apparently, he wrote "Tears in Heaven" for Connor, mm. his son. And I'm sure that song has helped. I'm sure there's people in the world that have had similar experiences of loss, and have used that song to get them through mm. a time that's probably that people would give up. So that song, again, it's that, it, the root of that song, it's completely honest and from Eric Clapton's heart. I think that, again, why it's one of my favourite songs, because of it's just pure honesty. Mm. And who is your idol? Do you have any idol? I guess my unhealthy idol was always Keith Moon. So Keith Moon, <laughs> anyone that doesn't know, is the drummer for the rock band The Who. And Keith Moon, famously, massive party animal off stage. Mm. And I think there's a lot. Of, I think a lot of drummers kind of have the Keith Moon complex, where they're the drummer in the band, and then everyone wants to be the drummer in the head. Maybe not everyone, but um, yeah. So Keith Moon was always my idol. Mm -hmm. Thank you so so much, Johnny. It was a pleasure yeah, to really listen to you, 
and it was very very interesting for me something new really thank you for sharing all the um, all the history you, you you gone through thank you so much no problem it's been a pleasure thank you have a lovely evening you too take thank care bye 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 bye